You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend today. Want to talk about the NBA playoffs. We're down to just one active series ongoing. I did not get my wish for game sevens in the two series that were uh, that had games played on Thursday as both of those series ended. So I want to open by talking about that. And then I want to get into a little bit of lineup data again for the Timberwolves. I want to look at five-man lineups, the five-man lineups that were most frequently used by the Timberwolves and also the ones that were most successful. And uh, there was actually a surprising cross-section between the two. Um, there were a couple of really... Uh, positive five-man lineups that I was that I was surprised by. So I want to spend most of the show talking about that after we talk playoffs here off the top. A quick reminder, as always, you can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T and at B-Beacon. B-Beacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Let's start by talking playoffs. Um, of course, anytime we talk about the playoffs, the road to the finals is brought to us by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Again, at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Um, so the first game of the night on Thursday was Denver and Portland. This series was flipping back to Portland after three games in Denver. Denver had a 3-2 lead after the double overtime thriller um, earlier this week, and Portland actually took control early. Damian Lillard had a buzzer beater before halftime to give them a two possession lead. And the Blazers looked like they were going to be able to force a game seven, but Denver played progressively better as the second half went on um, and, and pulled away late uh, in the game, but it really took until the fourth quarter before, before the Nuggets truly took over. Um, Lillard was fantastic. Once again, uh, Michael Porter Jr. was awesome for the Nuggets. Monty Morris had another great fourth quarter. He's been really, really good for them of late. Um, but I mean, that was that was it. I mean, it was in terms of the Blazers, it was really it was Dame. I mean, CJ McCollum was a little better in this game, but it still took him 21 shots to get his 21 points. Nurkic avoided foul trouble for the first half, but got into some quick foul trouble in the second half, which really hurt their chances of slowing down Nikola Jokic. And, uh, you know, Nurkic was effective in the first half. Jokic had 36, eight and six in this game, turned it over five times. Um, but Nurkic only managed to have 13 and seven. He still played 33 minutes. Uh, but after, I think it was, I don't think he drew a foul in the first half or, or that he was called for a foul. And then in the third quarter, he was called for four quickly. Um, and, and he was on the bench and that was a, a big issue for Portland. Um, they're relatively thin in the front court. Obviously they play, uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington start in the front court for them and off the bench. I mean, Rondé Hollis Jefferson's effectively their backup four, right? Well, Carmelo Anthony, I guess, but, um, but Melo's obviously not your prototypical big man, not somebody who's going to necessarily slow down Jokic, although he definitely had his turn guarding him. Um, and, and Denver was able to pull away late. 
again, Monty Morris deserves a lot of credit. I've always liked him and he got more and more run during crunch time as the season went on. Um, even though Facundo Campazzo was starting, uh, it was Monty Morris a lot of times down the stretch here, over, especially over the last couple of games that he was fantastic. He had 22 points, nine assists, eight of 16 shooting. Um, and that's on the heels of a really good game four as well, or excuse me, game five. So uh, Denver wins that series. Damian Lillard though, I mean, what a playoff series. Portland just the, the roster construction there was just a little bit shaky. I mean, look at the guys that were getting significant minutes that were picked up midseason. Um, you know, like a Ronde Hollis Jefferson or or Norman Powell. Uh, and, you know, Derek Jones Jr. was somebody the Timberwolves chased in free agency and, and saw rotation minutes early in the season, but fell out of the rotation. And his canner wasn't a part of this playoff rotation. Um, and, and just to see that shift, it's it's hard to, I mean, on the one hand, a team is correcting stuff that they see needs to be corrected, right? Um, you know, in, in acquiring players midseason. But on the other hand, what does that say about how the roster was constructed in the first place? And it's just yet another unfortunate end to the playoffs for a player like Damian Lillard, um, who has obviously been fantastic for a very long time. Uh, but uh, anyway, his his performance, though, in game five will will go down as one of the better playoff performances in recent memory. Um, and we'll talk more about that here in a minute, actually. Uh, so that series is over. Denver beats Portland by 11 and will advance now to uh, to take on the Phoenix Suns, who defeated the LA Lakers. That, that'll work as a segue, I guess, on Thursday night in game six. Uh, to knock out the defending champs. On the one hand, it wasn't an upset because it was a two seed versus a seven seed. On the other hand, it was because uh, they're the defending champs and uh, the Suns are seen as this up and coming team, although they've got uh, they've got Chris Paul, of course, and and some other veterans. But um, and, and also, I mean, so clearly we can't talk about the Lakers without talking about injuries. That's a massive reason as to why they finished at the seven seed and why they lost in six games to the Phoenix Suns. Anthony Davis didn't play in game five. He only played a handful of minutes in game four. Same thing, in the, or excuse me, I guess he played the first half in game four and missed the whole second half. Game six, he started, he tried to get through the, the groin injury and only was able to play the first five minutes of the game and was not on the floor for the balance of, of the contest. And, and I mean, the reason the Lakers are where they are is mainly because of LeBron James injury, but across the board, it was an injury riddled season for the Lakers. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it would be fair to call it an excuse. I think it's, I think it's just the reason why they are where they are. Right. Um, I, I don't think anybody would ever say that a, a healthy Lakers team with LeBron and with Anthony Davis on the court, uh, for the majority of the season would have finished with the seven seed and they wouldn't be in this situation, but that was the hand they were dealt. Anthony Davis, unfortunately got hurt again. And the Lakers roster full of, uh, you know, the the players not named LeBron James in this series were not impressive. Um, Marcus All was in and out of the lineup. Montrez Harrell barely played. Dennis Schroeder was not good really at all uh, until he was decent in this game. Twenty points on fourteen shots. Caldwell Pope had nineteen points on eleven shots, but there was nobody else in the Lakers that did anything. Nobody scored more than twelve points outside of those three. Uh, they had both Davis and Gasol in the starting lineup. Both guys were scoreless. And let's talk about Andre Drummond too. I mean, he was he was a key in season acquisition for them. He started the first. I think he started all five at the first five games in the series, had a couple of double doubles, and uh, then he didn't play at all in this game. Similar to Montrez Harrell being a key part of the rotation and, and disappearing for stretches, Marcus All had some DNP CDs and he started this game. So you had Drummond not playing a single minute, Gasol started, Montrez Harrell played eight minutes in this game. Um, uh, you know, Frank Vogel really kind of jerked around the big man rotation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hindsight's 2020, of course, it's tough to, to 
I mean, this team was LeBron James and a bunch of, of essentially role players. Um, they didn't have that second star at all, uh, with no, with no Anthony Davis. And, um, to me, I, I think that the Montrez Harrell thing is, is the biggest head scratcher for me. Uh, what happened to his role as a guy who is such a massive part of what the Clippers did last year was the sixth man of the year and basically fell out of the regular rotation by playoff time. Um, and unfortunately for the Lakers, their roster chock full of these older, you know, role players, you know, uh, whether it's Jared Dudley, Markeith Morris, Ben McLemore, Wes Matthews, there's tons of these, these kind of retread veterans who have bounced around the league that are, that are part of this roster, but kind of fringe rotation guys. And, and we see that all the time with really all of LeBron's teams with guys that are trying to pick up a title and hopefully still have something left in the tank. But the way that the Lakers handled their rotation was just interesting. Um, I, I don't really know how else to put it, but, uh, at any rate, this was, uh, I, this was a game. Phoenix got up huge early. They were up 30 plus in the first half. Uh, LA got it all the way down to 10 in the fourth quarter with, with a pretty big third quarter. But, um, I mean, the writing was on the wall pretty early. That was going to be a huge lead to put to, to allow the Lakers to come back from. And it was always going to be a difficult climb for LA. Of course, the story is Devin Booker, 47 points on 15 of 22, eight of 10 on three pointers and a perfect nine of nine at the line, 11 rebounds, three assists for book. And, uh, he just continues to be fantastic. Um, you know, two years ago, I would have told you that I was pretty dubious on him becoming a true all-star caliber player because I was so worried about his defense and shot selection was still a little bit of an issue, but man, has he figured it out? Uh, he's beyond figured it out. He's a legit superstar now. And it's, it's fair to say at this point that he is by far the best of the Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker trio. And, and even a year ago, I would have argued that Towns was the best player of that group. And now it's impossible to do that. Booker was just fantastic in this game and in this series and in all season, really. Um, Jay Crowder had 18 and eight for Phoenix and nobody else had more than 10 points. Chris Paul had only eight and 12 in this game in 29 minutes. Of course, he's still pretty, pretty banged up in terms of his right arm. Um, but I, that, that was it. I mean, 18 from Crowder, 47 from Booker. Nobody else scored more than 10. And it was enough after the, after they built that 30 plus point lead in the first half, the Suns now advanced to take on, uh, the, the, uh, Denver Nuggets in the second round of what should be a really fun series between a couple of, of mostly young teams, uh, battling it out to take, of course, then they'll play the winner of Utah and the only series still going the Clippers and Mavericks. Uh, they'll play game six of that series tonight on Friday night. And again, selfishly, uh, wouldn't hate it if the Clippers won to force a game seven this weekend. That would make the weekend a lot of fun to have that game seven to look forward to. But uh, Mavs Clippers on ESPN on Friday night for uh, game six. Every other series is over. The Eastern Conference, every series was done in five games or fewer. The Western Conference, that we had the two game sixes last night. Well, actually now three game sixes. And then the Jazz series was a five a five game victory. So competitive series for the most part, certainly in the Western conference. Um, but everything has pretty much gone as expected unless, uh, anyone felt strongly about the Knicks beating the Hawks in the first round in that four or five matchup, that would be the only quote unquote upset so far. So, um, at any rate, we will look forward to, um, to game six tonight between Mavericks and Clippers. Next, what I want to do is I want to get into some five man lineup data for the Timberwolves. Um, so that's what we're going to do coming up here. But first though, let's talk about Michelob Ultra's ultra moment. Um, I'm going to pick an ultra moment from the playoffs. Of course, of course, the Timberwolves are not in the playoffs and could have said that almost any year. Um, but I'm going to pick a non-Timberwolves moment. I'm going to pick Damian Lillard as my ultra moment from the playoffs. And it's probably not a shock to anybody or certainly controversial in any way. But his double overtime performance the other day was unbelievable. 
um, in game five in, in a loss, unfortunately for him, to Denver. Uh, but his performance, 52 minutes in the double overtime game, 55 points, 10 assists, six rebounds, and down the stretch, just draining threes. I think it was four threes in the final minute or two minutes of overtime or first regulation or the first overtime. And Dame was just, it was one of those moments where uh, it didn't matter. Everybody knew what he was going to do, and yet the Nuggets could not stop it. Um, he was shooting turnaround jumpers over double coverage. Uh, like he was legitimately fouled a couple of times and it wasn't called. Dame ended up 12 of 17 on three pointers in that game, 17 of 24 shooting. And again, 55 and 10 plus six rebounds and three blocks in that game. It was just a, a crazy performance and the joy on his face, the happiness for the entire team, the enjoyment of watching the performance for me sitting at home was, was indescribable, really. It was it was one of the better playoff performances I can remember. Um, as Ultra would remind you, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in Michelob Ultra. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Damian Lillard's game five performance this week is this week's Michelob Ultra moment. All right, let's talk lineup data for the Timberwolves from this season. Um, I mean, on the one hand, so there's a couple ways to look at this. I think I think one is we can look at the most used lineups this year for the Timberwolves. Another is we could look at the the, the best lineups in terms of net rating, five-man lineups. So I've, I've spent a lot of time, especially here is during the player review series here at Lockdown Wolves, I've talked a lot about uh, two-man lineups and who the best pairings for individual players are across the Wolves roster. And, and I think that that's a fascinating way. Obviously, there's there's some noise involved with that, quite a bit of noise, because there's three other players on the court, obviously. Um, but I think it's important to see what types of players play well with each other. The five-man lineup thing is is just a, a different snapshot. And it's it's a way to look at 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 lineups that were used the most frequently. And we'll, of course, see some patterns. And like, for instance, Ricky Rubio's in, in the top five most used lineups because he was healthy virtually all season, as was Anthony Edwards. So both Edwards and Rubio were in the top five most used lineups because they were also in the top five in minutes, so obviously. But to see the other combinations around them is really interesting, which which combinations worked with Rubio and Edwards and which didn't. So let's start with the most used lineups. And believe it or not, the two most used lineups for the Timberwolves this year had both had a positive net rating. And, and on the one hand, that should be obvious because, of course, the Wolves should keep using the lineups that are working the best. But remember, this is a team that was had the worst record in the league for much of the season, finished with the sixth worst record, was well below 500. And yet their two most used lineups were both positive, both carried positive net ratings. So number one by far, 172 minutes together, was Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards, Josh Akogi, Jade McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns. This was a starting lineup for a decent chunk, kind of in the middle of the season, shortly after Chris Finch took over before Akogi moved to the bench. And it was only a positive, uh, a positive net a net positive 3.0 rating. Um, and the defensive rating was far better than the offensive rating, as you might expect with Okogi, McDaniels, and Rubio on the floor. Um, it had that, that lineup had a 104.5 net off defensive rating, excuse me, and a 107.5 offensive rating. I, I don't think Akogi's a long-term starter for this Timberwolves team. I don't think the Wolves will start two non-shooters in Rubio and Akogi and, and one obviously improving, but not exactly potent outside shooter in Anthony Edwards. And for that matter, Jade McDaniels, who's a good spot up shooter, but not a high usage offensive player. I think that lineup more realistically is Russell and Beasley, obviously as starters, but I don't know that we see a Kogi as part of that group much moving forward at all. Um, just because of his offensive limitations, I think that he's going to be, uh, you know, we may see him out there with Anthony Edwards to help 
the with the more difficult wing cover and also to be able to hide him in the dunker spot while Edwards is creating on offense. Um, but Akogi and Rubio together is is a little bit of a, a tough pairing for me. Um, and, and while defensively it's great, uh, I think Jaden McDaniels provides enough defense in that lineup that you could slide in a Malik Beasley or D'Angelo Russell there instead of Akogi and still be effective enough on defense um, and obviously much better offensively. The second most used lineup for the Wolves was Rubio, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns. This surprised me that this was the second most used lineup. This was, of course, the late Ryan Saunders, early Chris Finch lineup before Malik. Well, actually, I take that back. Malik Beasley only played one game for Chris Finch before his suspension and only three after he came back. Um, So this was largely a Ryan Saunders lineup, and they were a plus 10.5 in the net rating column with Rubio, Beasley, Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Towns. Um, Defensive rating still decent, 107.3. Offensive rating was 117.7 for this lineup. And uh, it's not a surprise at all that the offensive rating is much better than that first lineup, a full 10.2 points better um, in terms of offensive rating because you're subbing Malik Beasley for Josh Okogie. And Vanderbilt for McDaniels doesn't make a big difference because both were fairly low usage players. Obviously, McDaniels is more effective because of his ability to stretch the floor and handle the ball a little bit, but he just didn't do that much of that this year. He was kind of an afterthought offensively, and that's okay. Um, When you have Towns, Beasley, Edwards on the floor together, you don't need uh, or or really any uh, any combination, Towns, Beasley, Edwards, or if Russell's on the floor. I mean, McDaniels is never going to be a top three option if those guys are all on the court together. So in this lineup, uh, subbing Vanderbilt for McDaniels doesn't do that much harm defensively. McDaniels is a little bit more switchable, but Vanderbilt's a better rebounder. Um, and so I think those things mostly balance each other out. So if you look at Beasley replacing Akogi, uh, of course, it's going to add quite a bit uh, to, to the offensive end of the floor for the Timberwolves. Um, so no surprise that that lineup was successful. I was a little surprised that it was so successful with the 10.5 net rating. And those 111 minutes, by the way, were only over the course of eight games. Um, So that was a starting lineup for a chunk of time late in the Ryan Saunders era and some brief minutes of that group together after Finch took over. But Beasley only played in four games with Chris Finch's coach, and he was great in the first one and not so much in the other ones in between the suspension and the injury. So um, interesting to me that that lineup was so successful. In terms of the other most used lineups, the next three on the list all had negative net ratings. Um, Rubio, Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, Towns. Um, so the exact same as the last one, except for sub McDaniels for Vanderbilt. Um, and that lineup in roughly the same number of minutes was a minus 2.5 instead of a plus 10.5. Um, I love Jane McDaniels, but I'm going to, I think the difference there is primarily rebounding. The rebound rate of, of the, uh, of the lineup with Vando instead of McDaniels was much higher. The defensive rebound rate was almost eight points higher. Um, and that to me is the biggest difference. I th- again, I think they're both good defenders and at McDaniels is even a little bit of a better defender because he's more switchable, can guard more in the perimeter. But, um, that is the biggest difference between those lineups. The next ones were barely negative, uh, Rubio, Edwards, Lehman, Towns, and Vanderbilt. Um, and then the first lineup we see with D'Angelo Russell in terms of Remember, he was out for so much of the season. This is the the fifth most used lineup, included D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, and Carl Anthony Towns. So a two-point guard lineup with D'Lo and, and Rubio. It was a minus 10.6 in 72 minutes. Uh, so really disappointing. Now, we I've talked about the two-man lineup data between Rubio and Russell, and that was actually positive over the final few weeks of the season, a complete flip from what we saw early in the year. So some of these minutes, though, were late in the season. Remember, McDaniels wasn't part of the rotation early. So um, 
I was a little surprised that this net rating was so poor because Ruby and Russell played so well together late. And most of these minutes are late in the season because the McDaniels thing, um, no real other obvious patterns for these, these most used five man lineups. I mean, we start to get into, you, you look at the top 20 and there's still a couple of these with that Davis in them, uh, in the top 20, because he played heavy minutes when towns first went out and, and Saunders would just kind of roll with starters for chunks of time. Um, Nothing, nothing here that's like super alarming or, or surprising to me. I guess one that's uh, number 18 on the list in terms of most used is Rubio, Beasley, Akogi, Edwards, and Towns with Josh Akogi at the four. So this was a, was a Ryan Saunders lineup. It was a minus 21 in net rating. That's uh, Edwards at the three, Akogi at the four, Beasley at the two. 48 minutes together over four games, a minus 21. And that was the worst lineup on this list. No surprise. Um, in the top 20 most used Timberwolves five-man lineups. Okay. Next, I want to talk about the best lineups, which will include some that weren't necessarily right at the top of the list in terms of most used. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and they're the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Let's also talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. Hands down, tastes exactly like a candy bar. You can't say that about any other protein bars out there. There's nine delicious flavors. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie. It's two different flavors. Raspberry and mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor right now is mint brownie. I also got some chocolate chunk of the mini version of the bars. I don't know if those are available still, but I have some and they're delicious. Uh, I have a new shipment coming this week. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors to try them all. And then of course, order a larger box of whichever flavors your favorite. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar and only four grams net carbs. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com. All right, I want to close the show today by talking about the best lineups for the Timberwolves this season. And these lineups are still going to fall in the top 20 in terms of in terms of minutes played because I don't want to get into the oh this this pairing played 6 minutes together because obviously that that doesn't make sense. So let's just sort I sorted the top 20 used five man lineups by net rating. Number 1, Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns. In 63 minutes, this group was a positive, was a plus 29.3 in terms of net rating. They were fantastic. The defensive rating of this lineup with D'Angelo Russell on the floor and at the two was 87.3. How shocking is that? The offensive rating was a 116.7. 
which is, of course, quite good as well, uh, and hence the the great net rating of 29.3. But that that lineup, that surprised me that they were that successful. And, and the eye test told us that Jared Vanderbilt was really effective when he was on the court. And this data just underscores that. Uh, I mean, to have him out there with three really high usage guys and Russell Towns and Vander, or excuse me, Russell Towns and Edwards. Um, and Rubio is the straw that kind of stirred that drink. My bet is that if we went back and watched these 63 minutes, there was a lot of of late season usage of this lineup with Anthony Edwards handling the basketball and running D'Lo off screens uh, for off the ball catch and shoot opportunities. That would be my my expectation of this lineup um, as, as how it was used. Um, with Rubio, you know, more on the fringes, running fast breaks and kind of standing in the corner waiting for three-point opportunities a little bit as a cutter, both both Rubio and Russell operating off the ball a little bit with with Edwards, uh, you know, being the guy that initiates in a lot of cases. Um, so that was the best net rating lineup and it wasn't close. Next on the list is a slight twist from a lineup we already talked about. And this is the first one without Ricky Rubio. This is D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Josh Akogi at the three, Jane McDaniels and Carl Anthony Towns. 71 minutes together, they were a positive 12.1 net rating. Um, this one also surprised me. It was one of the few Josh Akogi lineups that was positive. And to have him out there with some shooting with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns obviously helps. Um, but it's an example of how Okogi and Edwards can work together as a pairing in short minutes. This was 71 minutes over 10 games. So it wasn't all that frequent. I mean, what, that's an average of seven minutes a game that those guys would play together over those 10 games. Um, and a couple of low usage players in both the Kogi and McDaniels and the offense would be entirely reliant on D'Lo, Cat, and Ant. Um, but, a, a good lineup. I mean, it worked. And the rebound rate, believe it or not, of this lineup was greater than that of the of the best lineup with Vanderbilt in it. Um, the overall rebound rate, the defensive rebound rate was much better with this lineup. Um, and that that also was, was a little bit of a surprise. Third up uh, with a positive 10.5 rating and 111 minutes, a lineup we already talked about is Rubio, Beasley, Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Towns. And then after that, we've got our first Juancho Hernan Gomez sighting as well as Jordan McLaughlin. D'Angelo Russell, Jordan McLaughlin, uh, Nas Reed. Well, okay. So Hernan Gomez at the three Vanderbilt at the four and Nas Reed at the five. This lineup was only used for 65 minutes, but it was a positive 9.5 net rating. And again, 65 minutes doesn't sound like a lot over the course of the season, but that's 65 minutes still falls within the top 20 lineups in terms of usage, uh, top five man lineup. So it was one of the 20 most used lineups. And actually it, it kind of ranks. Oh, well, let me look here. It's, uh, actually, believe it or not, this was the seventh most used lineup for the Timberwolves this year in 65 minutes was that bench group of this is obviously late in the season when D'Lo had moved to the bench. D'Lo, uh, McLaughlin in the backcourt, Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three, Vanderbilt at the four and Nas at the five uh, with a positive 9.5 net rating. Interesting to me that both Juancho and McLaughlin made it onto one of those uh, onto one of these lineups. But it's also a credit to just how good D'Lo and Nas Reed were late in the season. They were both fantastic. Um, and with this lineup, you had to rely on Vanderbilt to provide basically all of your defense. I mean, Hernan Gomez, Russell and Reed all have reputations as as below average defenders. McLaughlin's good, but he's small, right? So the backcourt of Russell and McLaughlin, you wouldn't think would be all that effective defensively, but they did turn in a defensive rating of 100.7, which of these most used lineups was actually the fourth best defensive rating. So um, 
I, I don't know that that says much other than how good D'Lo and Nas were late in the season. I, I think it's more credit to them. And then also to Chris Finch for the lineups with, with Wancho at the three and, and being a little bit more creative with those lineups. Um, so at any rate, those were the best Timberwolves five-man lineups this year. Hard to draw any hard and fast conclusions from them, but we can certainly see some trends. And, and again, it, it tells the story of, hey, Edwards and Okogi can be successful together depending on who's around them. Um, Russell and Nas Reed were really good down the stretch. Wancho can work at the three depending on who's around him. Um, and, and I, I do think that's valuable. Um, so it's it go, go over to NBA.com. That's where I got all these at, at stats.nba.com and play around with their lineups. Um, cleaning the glass also has some really good, uh, lineup numbers as well. And it's a, it's a fun off season, I guess, playoff, uh, activity for Timberwolves fans whose team is once again, not in the playoffs. So there you go. Um, okay. Next week, uh, we are going to get into some draft conversations, start looking at players the Wolves would, would look at if they were to land in the top three in the draft and don't have to, to convey their pick to Golden State. So that'll be next week. And uh, of course, playoff summary of the weekend as we have Clippers and Mavs game six this evening. That's all upcoming next week. If you're not already following the podcast, you can anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Reminder that Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Also, a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, an embarrassing exit for the LA Lakers. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts.